Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. My goodness. Uh, it's been, uh, what, six months, five or six months. And uh, if, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, if we've never met, um, if you're new around here, I do want to say you are in a great church, in a great city. Um, I had the privilege to serve here for a year alongside Brad and, and the other staff members here. And they sent my wife and I um, in the middle of August to Peoria, Illinois, which is a, about two and a half hours south of here. And I am currently employed at a church uh, near there, and I'm being trained to plant a church in Peoria. And, and this has been a calling um, that has been on, on our hearts, my wife and I's hearts, for years. And Jolie at first graciously opened their doors and arms to us as part of our preparation to continue on in uh, starting a new church. And um, they, they sent us, you sent us. Um, I still, uh, believe me when I say this, I still think back to when you prayed for us and anointed our heads with oil. I do. Um, powerful moment for us, and it's been helpful. And, and I do want to say um, Peoria is, is great. Um, it's challenging. Um, very fast-paced environment in the ministry position I find myself. Um, but it is, it's training us well to uh, be part of the kingdom. And, and to be part of what God is doing. Um, same exact stuff going on here. Uh, the, the highs and the lows is happening there, right? Um, but we, we serve a great God, amen? And um, we are excited to be with you today. And uh, thank you for welcoming us. Um, and man, it's a joy. It's a joy to be together. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 10? Um, John is the fourth, fourth gospel. Um, before we, we pray and get going here, I, I want to let you know that this message today is designed to lead us into the very special moment we will have at the end of this service. Um, this is not a tidbit that is disconnected from communion or from being anointed and prayed for. Um, it is my hope that this message prepares us well for the end of our time together today and, and prepares us well for a new year and for new things, surely, for, for us all. Um, and I also want to say this, that you might find yourself in a couple of different places um, throughout this message. A lot of times, as pastors, when we write messages, um, sometimes we have a particular audience in mind. At other times, we've got everyone in mind, <laughs> including myself, and I hope that you find yourself in a couple different places, um, but this doesn't, this doesn't just have to be something for you, and then if it's not for you, then it's meaningless. This is what I mean by that, is that there's going to come a time, particularly with new ventures and mentoring, as you guys are diving into that, that you are going to be across a coffee table from someone, and they're going to be struggling, and you're going to need to have something to say. Um, Perhaps something that you hear today 
might not be for you today, but it could be for someone else tomorrow. That needs to come out of your mouth to them. Um, so if, if this isn't something that necessarily rocks your, and you'll, you'll understand what, what I mean when we get there, but if this isn't something that really just shakes your foundation, keep it in mind. I hope that God would write this on your heart because it might be something you need to give to someone down the road. Is that making sense? Yeah, it's going to be a great morning. Uh, before we do that, would you pray the Lord's Prayer with me if you know it? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and glory forever. Amen. And amen. John 10.10, 10, uh, Jesus talks about how he is the good shepherd. If you don't have your Bibles on you, the words will be on the screen. Um, but we're going to read the first 10 verses together. Um, so allow me to, to read this to you as we set up our time. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So Jesus says again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come, this is Jesus's words, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. So, to that I say this. We find ourselves living in some incredible times. But this is what I mean by that. When I say we, I do want to be clear. I, I am speaking to the West. I'm speaking to the United States. Um, prophets in, in the Old Testament we read about were prophets to nations. So allow me to be a little prophetic. Um, when I say we live in some unprecedented times, I do mean our culture today, that we find ourselves living in here in Illinois um, and in our nation. And by unprecedented times, an unprecedented time could mean something different to one person. It could mean something different to a whole other person. And there's some tension there, but this is what I mean is that I am sure that in the year 2017 that something happened in your community or in this nation, perhaps even around the world, that you did not see coming. I, I, would, I would put down money that something happened in the last 52 weeks that you didn't see coming. Um, and, and I'm not talking about like in your own family. I'm talking about maybe what's going on in the community or the state or the country or the world around you. This could be politically, this could be socially, this could be economically. But, but we live, we, 
live in some unprecedented times, things that we did not see coming. And so it would be appropriate to approach a new year with an understanding that perhaps certain things will happen in 2018 that we will not see coming. It would be appropriate to prepare ourselves in a Christ-like way. Um, And so my hope today is that you will feel empowered um, to approach the new year with a fresh understanding of what it would mean to approach the the valleys and the hills uh, with with what Christ would have for us. Um, and, and, And I'll say this as well, and this kind of makes sense to what we're talking about. I believe, I feel, that we live in a free yet wandering world. We live in a free yet wandering world because this is the deal. Day in and day out, we are told of the freedoms that we possess here, right? We are told of the freedoms that we are to let ring. Perhaps we, you, others, find themselves saved or safe on a religious level that perhaps speaks into eternity. We are told that we are unbound and that the world is at our fingertips. This is what we're told. Whether we believe it's true for us or not, this is what we're told. Yet, we often feel as if we have zero direction. Is anyone with me this morning? We have all the freedom. We've got the biggest canvas that we could ever paint on. And yet, there's no one direction for us to take. And if you know me, I talk about different directions all the time. So how interesting that freedom can bring unprecedented circumstances. And we see a great picture of this in the nation of Israel. Um, If if you were to to open up the the book of Exodus, you would begin to see the journey of the nation of Israel, God's people, God's nation, in slavery, um, having been enslaved for decades and and centuries, really, um, by the hands of the Egyptians. and, And eventually, Moses leads them out of captivity, but they have this moment of wandering They were free, but they were wandering. And less than two months into their freedom, this is what it says in Exodus 16, verse 3. The Israelites said to Moses and Aaron, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. If only we were slaves again. There we sit around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you, Moses and Aaron, have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Two months into their freedom, two months into their wandering, they wish they were slaves again. We are in a free yet wandering world. And this is the tension for Israel in this story. This perhaps is the tension for you today, is that you are post-Egypt, but you are pre-promised land. You are post-bondage, praise God, but you are pre-everything that God has for you. And there's a tension there because you feel free, but you feel like you're wandering, right? You are, were once enslaved, you're free from that. Jesus Christ has broken the chains. 
but for some reason you feel like there's a promised land to be had by you. And, and I'm not exactly sure how your 2017 has gone. Um, I spent the first half of the year with many of you. Um, I don't know how it ended. But to use Jesus' analogies that he presents to us in John 10, I would like to pose a few questions to you to consider. Is that do you feel like a sheep that has been misled? Have the thieves of false promises, unbeaten habits, unresolved conflicts, life-sucking relationships, selfish expectations, excuse after excuse, ignorant ambitions, broken into the pen and stolen your joy. Thieves are not people, my friends. Thieves are ambitions. Thieves are constructs that we set ourselves up for failure with. And when you hear Jesus say that he came a week ago, (laughs) Christmas, so that you would be able to have life to the fullest, do you scoff and say, not in this lifetime? Is that you? You feel freed from some stuff, but you sure as heck do not feel like you have arrived. Your post-slavery, your pre-promised land. Are you a disgruntled Israelite wandering in the desert? What if I told you this? The 40-year journey could have taken two weeks. This is literally true. Uh, Scholars have looked at maps, and they have kind of done some calculations on the average pace of that size of a group of people with the number of animals and possessions and things like that. And they they went from point A to point B on the actual map from where they were to where they were going to head. And at an average walking pace for 10 hours a day, with the number of miles in between point A and point B, should have taken them two weeks, took them 40 years. Now, a question, a question, thank you, Google Maps, amen. Now, a question that we need to consider is, was that, was that God's fault? Was that God's doing? I don't know. A lot of people, I talked to someone yesterday who disagrees with me, and that's fine. God's a God of love, amen? 40-year journey over a two-week journey? Something's got to give. Something's got to give. So the wandering is what we need to address. Address the mess, right? I love that. What if the reality of wandering had something to do with us? What What if the wandering that you are experiencing has really nothing to do with any wrath or punishment that you might feel like you're facing, and it really just has to do with with a mess that you have yet to address. So, if you have any feelings of wandering down the road, if you ever sit across a table from someone who might feel like they're wandering, I would present to you that you or they are trying to live in two different worlds. And perhaps you didn't even know it. Perhaps they won't know it. Now, we can name the two different worlds however we want, but, but I'd like to name one of them the Jesus world. 
the, the kingdom, the, the church world, right? The, the Christ-following world where we're, we're going to church and it kind of ends there. Maybe we're praying every day. Maybe we're reading our Bibles every day. Uh, maybe we're serving. Maybe we're in a community group. Uh, maybe we're doing some one-on-one mentoring. Maybe we are um, really uh, exploring into what it would mean to be a committed member of a church through the covenant membership course. Maybe we're doing those things. At the very least, we're going to church and, and we're going through the rhythms. And then there's a whole other world, and we can just call it the world. <laughs> it, it's, you got your Jesus world, and, and you can just call this world the world, where, where you are chasing things you were never meant to chase, where you have ambitions that you were never meant to have, where the wills of, of the powers and structures above us are completely different wills that um, would, would be had for you in the Jesus world, and you find yourself straddling, imagining that there's a line between, you know, my feet, and, and I am straddling the Jesus world and the world world, and I don't stretch a lot, so this is difficult. <laughs> and we find ourselves growing farther and farther into the two different worlds. All of a sudden, we find ourselves at a crisis moment, and we say, something's got to give. And so this is what we actually do, is we try and get our feet closer together. Because maybe I can get the world world and my Jesus world in lockstep. And I can do both. Both and. And we feel like if we can get our feet as close together as possible, if the line that we straddle isn't really that gaping of a line or a hole, that we can somehow navigate life and have the best of both worlds. If your pursuit has been to try to make your Jesus world match with your world world, then you are actually going in the complete opposite direction. And your feet are actually getting farther apart. You think they're getting closer. Because this is the deal. If you're going to dive in to one of those worlds, it takes all of you. If you want to dive into the world world, then it's going to take all of you. And there's not going to be room for the Jesus world. Now, if you want to dive into the Jesus world, then at some point you need to stop straddling the line between two different worlds and you need to commit. And today, I would submit to you that you need to go all in with Jesus. We're going to talk about that in just a little while. Now, when we straddle, when we try and navigate both worlds, we we find ourselves in a position that cannot be maintained. And over time, I'm not talking generations, I'm talking years, over time, we become a lukewarm people. And if you've read Revelation, um, lukewarmness is a no-no. This is actually what I mean by that. There's a passage in Matthew I'd like us to read. Matthew 11, 16 and 17, Jesus is in his ministry and he's talking to a group of people who are straddling two different worlds. And this is what he says. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. Here's a new word for us. We sang a dirge. Everyone say dirge. 
and you did not mourn. (laughs) This is what Jesus is saying. Is that this generation has gotten itself to a place where there is nothing to be happy about. There's nothing to be sad about. They are just meh. Month after month, year after year, decade after decade of straddling two different worlds. They are not excitable. And they are not the opposite of excitable. A person, unexcitable. (laughs) A person straddling two different worlds would most likely answer the question, how are you doing with that four-letter F word? Fine. What'd y'all think? You kidding me? How you doing? Fine. You excited about anything? No. Nope. You happy about anything? No. You sad about anything? Not really. (laughs) We find ourselves juggling. We find ourselves maintaining a posture that is unmaintainable. So I want to ask a few posing questions to see if you feel wandering, if you feel like you're straddling. I, I, I want you to consider these questions as perhaps an introspective of where you're at right now. First one is, what does your calendar look like? What, what, are, what, are, what are the agenda points? Be honest with yourself. Is there any time on your calendar marked out for you and God? A half hour a day. An hour a day. 15 minutes a day. What are you, what are you investing your time in? I would ask you this, what's your internet browser search history? To where are you escaping to? Which apps on your phones are you using more than others? What are you letting into your life that shouldn't be there? What does your bank statement look like? Oh, not money. What does your, your bank statement look like? Now, there's, there's two sides of this coin. Thank you, Brad. The obvious one would be you're frivolous, frivolously spending. You, you are spending as if there's no tomorrow and, and there's a lot more uh, less digits on your bank balance than you would wish. But, but I'm buying my toys and I'm having fun and, and I'm, I'm living life to the fullest. And, and, and I, have, I have a lot of fun and I've got a lot of stuff. And I just kind of spend it when I get it, and when I don't have it, then I don't have it, and I wait till I get more, and then I spend it. But there's another side of that coin. What if you are selfishly saving? Ooh. What if you're selfishly saving? What if that while your bank statement is growing, the needs of your community are also growing? Well, yeah, that, that person's just spending all of the money they have. Well, what are you doing with your money? You're not even really investing it in yourself. You're investing it in an interest rate at a bank. What does your bank statement look like? Have you become apathetic towards church? When they say get a part of a community group, you say, why? Are you searching for reasons to doubt God? Are you actively looking for a reason to say, God ain't real? Because this is what happens a lot, is is we misuse the freedoms that we have. A consequence takes place. We blame God. 
and then we nullify his goodness, and then we say that life to the full is a myth. What a messy train of thought. That from point number one got a little screwy when we misused our freedom, freedom of choice, to decide how we're going to spend our time, how we're going to spend our money, what we're going to do with our lives. Consequence takes place, and all of a sudden we feel like God's punishing us. See, here's the deal. This is what the Apostle Paul says, so blame him if you don't like it. Is, shall we go on sinning so that his grace would be more and more abundant? By no means. That when consequences and shortcomings take place, are we to then say that God maybe is not as good as we thought he was? Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? God is unchanging. We change. So the person who straddles life, here we go, here's the, here's the tweet. The person who's straddling life does not have a balance issue. They have a shepherd issue. We're going back to John 10.10, where Jesus says he is the good shepherd. The person straddling life, when you're sitting across the coffee table with someone who's saying, man, I just don't know what gives, you say, you're, you're not having a juggling problem. You don't need to take juggling classes. You need to pick one shepherd. And now we can go all the way back to Psalm 23, where King David is sitting on his back porch, and he's reflecting about the life that he had before he even slayed Goliath. He was a shepherd. And he's, he's sitting on the back porch with his coffee in hand, and, and he's got his journal, and he's having his morning time of prayer, and he's reflecting on when he was a shepherd. He's reflecting on when he slayed Goliath. He's reflecting on when his son uh, led a rebellion against him. He's reflecting on the affair that he had. He's reflecting on how he covered up that affair by having someone killed. Um, he's reflecting on all of this, and he says, does anyone know? The Lord is my shepherd. Maybe you pray this every day. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You see, David, in this moment, is not revealing to us an alternative way that we can refer to God as. He is making a countercultural statement that he has one shepherd, and it is the Lord. He has one shepherd, and it is Christ. It's not a list that God is good, and, and the Lord is great, and he's powerful, and he's also a shepherd, and, and then he's mighty. And No, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And he is declaring this over himself. And so, we are left with a decision to make. Us here today, perhaps tomorrow, but don't let it be a resolution for a year, y'all. You can choose the shepherd Jesus, or you can choose another shepherd. It could be a person, place, or thing. You can choose the shepherd Jesus that gives you rest, or you can choose the shepherd Jesus that sucks life from you. You can choose the shepherd Jesus that comforts you in times of trouble, or you can choose whatever shepherd that turns its back on you when you need it most. You can choose the shepherd Jesus that is present in our trials, or you can choose the shepherd that says, I only really know how to provide happiness. I can't really help you when you're feeling sad. You can 
choose the shepherd Jesus that gives and blesses, or you can choose the shepherd that just takes and takes and takes from you. But you must choose. You must choose your shepherd. It's, it's quite fun that we're a week away from celebrating the what? Jesus coming. God inhabiting flesh and dwelling among us. Seven days later, I would like to tell you the why. It's so you would have life to the fullest. Just a week removed, Jesus, Jesus showed up in the manger. God was here. Why? Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life to the full. He gives us the why statement. To have life to the full is it's not really a promise, though. It's an invitation. Having life to the full would not automatically mean that you're going to get some back-end rewards for your initial investment. Having, having life to the full is an invitation into a life where Christ leads every single moment. Where every decision that you make is filtered through a lens, a Christ-like lens. So what if I told you this? That peace could never be a wish, but it could always be an endless reality. What if I told you that life to the full made possible for not a single news headline to rock your world? What if I told you that living life to the full meant that not a single political policy would make you lose hope? Does this kind of seem impossible? What if I told you that life to the full means that there is not an ounce of your identity that exists anywhere else except in Christ? What if I told you that there was a life where even though there was pain in the night, joy came every single morning? You must go all in with the shepherd Jesus. Now when I say go all in, I, I do really mean, this is the only part where I'm a bad New Year's Eve preacher, is this is, not, <laughs> this is not a New Year's resolution. Resolutions are good. Goal setting is good. But we're talking about life change here. We're not talking about year change. We're not talking about, let's be honest, the first three weeks of January change. We're talking about a life change. And I don't care how old you are in this room. If there has never been a moment, a definitive moment in your life where you said, forget the past, forget the world straddling, I am absolutely all in. Because you know what? At some point, the world just doesn't cut it. The juggling is getting annoying. My hamstrings are getting tight. And I'm done straddling. Then you must go all in. With Jesus. Imagine with me a switchboard. Some of you are like, a switch what? I, I studied communications in college. Many of you know that. And before, um, back in uh, 
before now, um, they, they had these switchboards where someone would call into an operator and then there would be this really just a massive pegboard and there were these pegs and the, these wires that were attached to two different ones and they, these operators would just be just putting wires all over the place. Is anyone with me there on that analogy? Yeah, so, so imagine that there is a pegboard for your Jesus world and imagine that there is a switchboard for your world world. It is going to take from you to slowly and humbly, sometimes painfully, take every single peg and switch it over. Every single one. That's what going all in means. Finances. Boom. How I manage my time. Boom. How I treat other people, boom, that list goes on for a while. It'll take us till next year. (laughs) Every single, not a peg left unmoved from the world world to the Jesus world. Money doesn't disappear, but you treat it differently. People don't disappear, but you treat them differently. Jobs don't disappear, but you enter into them differently. So to go all in means that you are making a definitive decision today, New Year's Eve 2017. It's a date you can remember and think back on. And this is a moment that you can draw from because I'm not going to show up next December 31st and give you the same message. If you need to make the decision, then today's the day. It's during the time of communion. It's during the time of anointing. I want to give you four, uh, just a short list of four. Pastor Seth, where do I start with this switchboard moving? I, I want to give you a list of four things. You might recognize this list. I hope you do. The first one is seek the unchanging. That being God. The one who was the same in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. Invest in the everlasting. This could be money, but this could be time. This could be anything. What are the things that are going to bear eternal fruit? Is it going to be the the stock or the toy, or is it going to be the poor, the orphan, and the widow? That's going to have eternal consequences. Restore towards wholeness. When you enter into a restoration process, keep in mind that you are restoring to be whole, not a piece missing. And be sent, send for the kingdom. Not for your kingdom, for God's kingdom, for his mission. So as we approach a new year, I I ask you, will you make the decision to go all in. So in a moment, we're going to gather around the table like we do. There's also going to be an opportunity for your head to be anointed with oil um, and and an opportunity for you to be prayed for. I believe Pastor will be doing that uh, just up front here as well next to the communion. This is what I'm asking of you, is that as you approach your pastor who cares for you, who wants to pray for you today.
if you need to make the definitive decision to go all in, then I would encourage you, as you approach an opportunity to be prayed for, say, I'm all in. A dove isn't going to fall from heaven, and confetti isn't going to fly, and balloons aren't going to magically appear. But what if maybe, just maybe, life to the fullest was possible? I do believe it's possible. Friends, I'm tasting it right now in my life and in my marriage. And, and it's possible for you. But what does it take? It takes going all in. It takes a definitive moment in your life where you are going to say, I am all in and I'm, I'm all in for life. It's not a resolution, it's a life change.